Hello, this is Kenya, and welcome to my magical cottage core life. Today, I need you to take out your book of stuff. And today, things are going to be a bit different. Today, we're going to talk about magic. Which means, this book of stuff entry is for those who practice magic, folk magic, or just would like to learn about folk magic. Today, we're going to talk about how to make a simple purification bath with herbs. So, if this sounds like something you're interested in, it's going to be pretty fun, pretty simple, and pretty plain. If not, you can skip to a different episode and maybe check out our carrot cookies. But for those who have a little witch in us, or a little cunning woman at least, let's get started. So when you hear the word cleansing bath, the first thing you might think of is maybe a good strong soap, head to toe, coming out after a good scrub with a loofah, and just feeling all kinds of wonderful. You might want to go to that certain kind of store that has the letter B in it and get special stuff for your bath and for your body. See what I did there? But no, no, that's not it. What we're going to talk about preparing today has nothing to do with sugar scrubs or salt scrubs or people spraying fragrance at you in the mall. No. This is going to involve green things, herby things, things that grow out of the ground, things that you could put between your fingers and go crunch your crackle, or if they're super fresh, you can bruise and squeeze. This has to do with real herb baths in the folkloric magic tradition that are done with cleansing. Cleansing baths are basically used to either get off a negative or cross condition, to remove gook, like psychic gook, to cleanse yourself of guilt or bad feelings about something you have done, or to get negative energy that has been sent towards you, or spells, off of you. I'm going to give you a specific blend today, but you can always substitute your own. There are a lot of books out here that can give you ideas on what to use. One of the most popular ones is Scott Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Magical Herbs. That, <laughs> that particular book is from a Michigan author, so of course I would like to feature him. But another really good series is from Papa Jim, Papa Jim's herb book. He was located in Texas. He passed a few years ago, unfortunately. And there are many, many more herb books that you could use. But those two are a very good place to start. So I'd recommend you start there. Okay, so let's get to the herbs.
may hear a little sigh or bubble or steamy in the background. That's because I have a pot on of some herbs. I haven't enchanted them yet, so it's okay to talk to you about it. But it's not the blend I'm going to give you here. So the three herbs we're going to talk about for this particular bath are Hyssop officinalis, Agrimony, and Rue or Ruda. Each of these herbs is known to help remove psychic gunk or negative vibes or, or workings. Putting them together could give you a very strong blend. Those of us who are familiar with the Bible in the Western world have probably heard the phrase to use hyssop to wash a person clean. And in this particular case, folklorically, that's what it does. It washes you clean, clean of guilt, clean of negativity, clean of all sorts of things. It can prepare you to do work or it can clean you after doing work. Ruda or rue, R-U-E, is referring to narrow leaf veiny rue, which you should be careful using if you actually are pregnant because that could be bad for you, same as hyssop. Rue keeps things away like lolokia or wick wickedness or hexes and it's a good protection herb and also gets rid of stuff. Agrimony does the same as the other, the, the second, which is rue. However, it also is specifically well against witchcraft, if you believe in it. Blending these three together, you've got yourself a power punch. One of the things that's important is when you blend and when you pray or enchant your herbs. Some people enchant them before putting them together and some do it after the bath is done. Still others chant while the bath is brewing. And the thing about brewing is that when you're doing it, you don't ever bring it to a boil per se, just a slow simmer. One of the reasons for this is because you don't want it to boil over. The second reason is using herbs like this often creates a situation where you have a lot of oils being released and you don't want that staining your surfaces of wherever you're cooking. You can cook them indoors or out. Just understand that the more woody the material, the longer it will take to really break down. Now most people, when they cook their herbs or infuse their herbs, a true infusion is getting the water hot and then turning it off and putting the herbs in and pour, or pouring it over the herbs and letting it sit. It's up to you whether you put it on the stove. Depends on how you were taught. Please look up infusions and decoctions for more information. Also, understand that these kinds of things, often referred to as teas, colloquially, but they're not really teas for ingestion, are really meant to be added to other waters and then you have to apply them in the proper way. Let's talk about that. Depending on the tradition, some practitioners have used the tea or the decoction in an actual physical bath, 
lay down, let it soak out of your body, dunk your head under about at least three times, and then get out and let it drain. Preferably you've used a tea bag or a piece of pillow cloth in order to wrap these herbs up before they get into your tub drain. If you've pre-done them and not just added them directly to the bath, you can use a strainer to keep that from happening. However, other traditions have you pour the tea over your shoulders from the neck down over your body and then let it drain down the tub or outside, depending on where you're doing it. Still, other traditions literally do have you pour it over the top of your head and letting it drop to the bottom. However, whichever method you choose, there is an agreement that this particular kind of bath is not meant to be washed off. This is not added to your regular sudsy to you know, soap. You take your baths before that, your sudsy soapy bath, and then when you're ready to take your magical bath, you pour it on top of you. Why do you do this? Because you don't wash this herbal mix off. You literally let it stick and stay on you for the rest of the day and go to sleep and then wash it off the next day. Many times, you'll have to repeat this procedure three times, so make sure you have a big batch. Other times, people use it 11 times in a row. So that's 11 days of this. Best thing, make a big batch and then mix it with a larger batch. Those bottles of water, those gallon bottles from your dollar store, you can actually pour half of them out, drink the water, don't waste it, and then fill the other half with the teas or the baths. Making a huge batch also keeps you from having to worry about whether or not you have a situation that you don't have anywhere to store it. Those bottles are able to be just basically bottled up with the lid and put to the side. Keep in mind that you should not throw those herbs away after they've been prepared for this particular procedure. Those herbs should be saved and used in a protection sachet or in a candle. Especially if you put a pillowcase of those herbs into the water of your bath water with you. Now it has your essence in them and the protection blend is even more key toward you. It's very important to go with what your belief system is when you enchant your herbs. Looking for psalms or biblical passages for those who are Christian practitioners is good. Looking for protection rooms or rhymes for people who are pagan is good. And just using your own personal heartfelt words can also be the best of all. It really comes down to what you believe. Also, before you add any herbs to a bath, make sure you're not allergic to them. No one wants to break out and have something negative happen to them because they weren't sure what they were using. Do your research and make sure that what you're using is not going to harm you. For example, when using someone else's bath blend, you don't know what they may have put into it. If you have allergies, you should alert the person preparing the blend for you. Here's an example. Some people are allergic to strawberries. Other people are allergic to basil. Well, there is a certain protection bath that does use basil. So it's always best to try to make your own if possible. And if you have an allergy, make sure you let the person know who's preparing the blend for you before you just put it on.
And again, if you're pregnant, be extra careful when using any of the herbs that were used in this episode. They are not good for you for that time of your life. Lastly, I think that we have covered quite a bit here, so we're going to tie up this episode with saying that your herbs and your baths should be tailored to you. If you don't have the ability to get your hands on Angelica, you don't have the ability to get your hands on Agrimony, you don't have the ability to get your hands on Narrowly Veiny Rue, you should take time to substitute something that you do have. And remember, and this is something people leave off, once you finish taking the course of your protection and cleansing and cleansing baths, you should put in a sweetening bath afterward. That means once you're all cleaned off spiritually, it's time to add something sweet to the mix, like a lavender bath, or if you're allergic, some other sweet bath like honeysuckle. We'll do an episode on that very soon on what a sweetening bath could be. And trust me, the two do go together. But I think the first would always be the cleansing, then later the sweetening. And with that, I want to thank you for coming to visit with me today. I love talking with my friends and we're friends, right? So I look forward to seeing you again on my magical cottage core life. Goodbye.